0: Welcome, everybody, to the Lockdown Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Pete Zayas. Uh, Pete and I were just talking about how well, there's only two, basically two weeks left until media day and then training cap kicks off. And then maybe I like think a week later after that, we get uh, our first preseason game. We're, we're almost there, dude. We're almost there.
1: I've, I've reached the point where I'm at my most like cabin what what's the cabin I cabin, have cabin fever. fever. Yeah, that's that's the term I'm looking for. Yeah. I'm just crawling up the walls, man. Like <laughs> there's only so much like footage of last year and watching LeBron in a Cleveland uniform rather than a Laker f- uniform. I just I, I felt I felt it this morning where I was just like, God, I finally reached it. It's later in the summer, thank God, than I normally get to this point, And it's like six weeks of torture for me normally. Not like you said it would be less than two weeks. I think Media Day is supposed to be on the twenty fourth, and then the first preseason game on the 30th so we're getting there man we're we're very close but yeah I've finally like reached the point where I'm just screaming internally half of the day
0: it having woken up and immediately had to write my third article about Andrew Bynum <laughs> that was <laughs> that was a good signal like all right come on <laughs> yeah man. It's, it's rough times
1: man so shout out to everybody who's made it through the summer you know lebron signed on july 1st and we have made it what that's almost two and a half months ago now gosh has it been that long it doesn't but, seem like it's been that long but or no that's yeah yeah almost two and a half months now yeah. so yeah I, i'm just so ready ready to see it for the first time I'm ready for him to walk out in the lakers jersey and, and just see all of the guys man i can't wait
0: Ask me a trip. That's gonna be a trip. I wanted to really quickly though, like even though we're we're fully in September and off season content, you did a really good video breaking down Lonzo's. I guess. I, do I want to call it a new shot? I guess. No. The <laughs> tweaks. You know that he made. You know it's funny. We think about like
1: one season to another as though it's this massive period of time. For a guy like Lonzo who had surgery, especially there isn't time to completely overhaul a shot and we could debate whether or not that's necessary, but there are, there are probably 20 different components to a jumper. I've never like sat down and written every Mm -hmm. little aspect to it. So what constitutes an overhaul? What constitutes tweaks? If you change two or three things over the course of two or three months, that's probably a lot, right? And, and we think of it as an entirely new type of thing, but that's not really how it works. It Each of those, say, 20-ish type things, you can make adjustments to a couple of them over periods of time. then over the course of the career, you can address all of them and and hone and perfect. Even guys like Kobe, I remember Chuck Person told him uh, to shoot the ball off of his middle finger. On your shooting hand, the ball is supposed to come off of your middle finger last. And for much of Kobe's career, that wasn't the case. And he didn't start doing that until – you know, two thousand nine, two thousand. I don't remember exactly. Maybe a little bit later with with Mike Brown, but guys were always making adjustments. So we think about sh- sh- uh, about shooting form as something where it's like you have a new shot,
0: and so it's, everything's different. But that's just not <laughs> how buy works. a new pair of shoes, right? Yeah, go out and <laughs> create a new jumper. <laughs> I I think one of the points that you made, not necessarily in the video. But in a tweet after the fact, was how his his conditioning, his strength and stuff is is going to play a big factor here. And and this actually, you use Kobe as an example. This applied to him too. I remember his early shot was more of like a slingshot. It was it was a lot more flat. It came further from but you know closer to behind his head, Mm -hmm. and and you know he had to get a lot more on the ball or take use a lot more of his body to get more on the ball. And Lonzo's shot reminds me of somebody who was just kind of compensating for not necessarily being strong enough to get the ball all the way out there. Otherwise, like you wouldn't have to bring the ball cleared to his opposite shoulder to be able to do that. And one of the things that I noticed when he was – when you were doing your – during your video, I looked at like how small the ball looked compared to last year. Like on his body when it was framed <laughs> right. by his shoulders. And it was very, very clearly smaller, it looked like. Yeah, he's in much better
1: shape. It's funny because the the thing that makes his shooting form the most unusual is that swoop across the body, right? And it's it comes down to his hand placement. He puts his hand kind of across the ball rather than underneath it or behind it, the way most shooters do. And what that does, I think, is makes the rest the rest of his jumper, it's easy to ignore because it's it's hard to get over. Wow, that's really weird, right, that that he does mm-hmm. that. But you're absolutely right that he's kind of thrown his whole body. And I've talked a lot about how his feet were a problem. And, and yeah, a lot of it comes back to strength. If you ever watch a little kid try and shoot threes, this is – if I ruled youth basketball, courts wouldn't have a three-point line. Like They wouldn't play on a three-point line mm-hmm. before at least the age of 10 because what kids do, especially when they're warming up, is they go right to the three-point yeah. line. You'll see eight-year-olds. And then what do they, they do in order ball. to get right? They, they have to bring it way down and behind them just so they can get the power to do that. What happens is as they get older, there's vestiges of that that becomes ingrained into their shooting form. And even as they get older and strong enough to hit that shot with good form, they're so used to taking the shot that way that you have some parts of it that last into as you get older lonzo has parts of that with his feet or in the video i described how he brings his right shoulder forward Mm -hmm. and part of that is to like coil and release and get enough power that's right that's a little kid type of thing right like i have to muster enough power up in order to throw the ball which is basically what it is this far and now as he gets stronger there's also the fatigue component right where he's like i don't know about you but i'm a way worse shooter when i'm tired i am and and that's true of most shooters right so yeah all of those things are really gonna factor into i think some solid improvements this year
0: yeah you don't even have to be way more tired like you don't have to be super fatigued to start seeing some of the effects it's it's pretty immediate when you're when you're shooting out there um, that's that was it was a really good video, so you guys should go check that out on on Silver Screen and Roll. That is not what we're going to focus on today, though. Uh, we are going <laughs> to yesterday or in in the last show that we did, I talked to Bill Orem about Luke Walton, and it was a little bit more narrative based. It was a little bit more kind of conceptual kind of stuff that that we talked about those talking points. It was a really fun uh, episode. Bill is is very closely tied to Luke. He is he is very well informed on. On things, Luke Walton. So you guys should go check that out. Uh, but today, I want to talk to Pete about how some of the tactics and some of the things that the, the ways that Luke can kind of grow with this team because somehow we forget he's only going to be in his third year <laughs> here. Mm-hmm. And and so we're going to we're going to continue the conversation about Luke Walton uh, in that way. We're going to take a quick second here because we took up a little bit longer talking about. Lonzo Ball's sh- uh, shooting form uh, than I anticipated, but before we get to that, like I said, with all of these player previews, Ease has been incredible in in their support of this uh, partnership and in this in these player preview series. Uh, it's a great product. It's a great. It's not necessarily a product per se. It's a great service, and they connect you directly to the the top retailers in the greater LA area uh they do so legally at every single turn uh they do so quickly there was a there was a there's a video out there where they ordered it, something from a cannabis shop a dispensary and then they ordered a pizza at the same time and the and the product from the the dispensary arrived way before the the pizza did so it's it's logistically sound it's legal uh they have everything that you would look for so if you're 21 or older do your research uh, hop on there and uh, use the promo code Locked On if you're on the app, or if you go to ease.co/slash locked on, you get twenty dollars off your first purchase. We're going to take another quick second here, and when we come back, we're going to we're going to talk about Luke Walton. So here is where in that last segment, and this is why I was cool with spending a little bit of time talking about Lonzo because how we got here with Luke Walton is not going to change between who I'm going to talk to. But here is where we would talk about Luke Walton and some of the improvements he can make individually. And it's hard to do that and isolate him completely from the team. But there are some things that he could, I think, work on. And in my opinion, one of the things that I think he can work on here, and the Lakers as an organization can work on here, is with guys who don't necessarily factor into their long term plans, I think there was very clearly a, a different level of communication. Julius Randle is an example of this, Brooke Lopez. According to some of the people I talked to over the summer, was pretty frustrated over that kind of stuff too. And that's why he signed in Milwaukee for a rate that the Lakers would have loved to have him at and didn't really consider the Lakers. Is this something though that – like my question to you is, is this something that given the limited amount of time that an NBA coach has here, is it feasible to focus on this kind of thing or is it just – No, I have the guys that I got to talk to and if I have time and if I can get to the other guys, then cool, I'll try my best. But for the most part, my focus is on winning games with our guys. So I think that's a valid criticism
1: but I would actually spread it – Farther, further across North. the organization, then, yeah, yeah like, I, I think it involves the front office as well as Luke, right? I think there are guys that are clearly in their plans, which Luke has input in, but he's not going to overrule Magic and Palenka about who is going to be here next year and who's not. That is an organizational decision, but the buck stops with them, right? So I think that guys were very much clearly... maybe not expressly let known that they were not part of future plans, but in terms of how they were treated, it was obvious who the plans were for part of the future and Mm -hmm. who were not, right? I think I actually think that Luke did about the best that he could. I I agree with the criticism, though, that it's a little too on the nose and out there in terms of like, "Hey, you're not part of our future, so you know we don't care about you as as much." Mm -hmm. Um, I I just don't know if Luke's the guy to blame for that. I think both those things can be true
0: too. By the way, for sure, right? Like that that Luke may have fallen short according to say league standards or typical coach standards, but still been doing about as good a job that he could have done given his, I guess, walking orders for lack of a better term.
1: Yeah, I I very much think that's the case. I, you know, in terms of how Julius was handled last year, there were there were a lot of moving parts to that, right, where he was playing really well. I thought he should have gotten more minutes from that. But and, and playing for a future contract. Let's not you know b- brush that aside. But I, I do think that ultimately Luke did about as well as you could hope for. I think th- with with Brooke Lopez, I think that's probably a less complicated one and probably a fairer criticism to lay on at, at Luke's feet. Um, but that said, every coach in the NBA is going to have expiring contracts on their team, right? And you're going to have to handle guys who are playing for their next contract. Now, I is it going to be different with guys like Rondo, McGee, Beasley, the the new crop of one year expiring type of guys that remains to be seen. But I do think that the Lakers are in less of a transitional mode than they were last year and especially the year before. So I think that that, I mean, and maybe this is just the optimist in me, but I think that that sort of transient, you're not part of our plan. So you're not as important. I think there will be fewer and fewer guys this year. And if, you know, if Luke's still around, you know next year as well. I, I think they're close to their final form of what they want to go forward with in terms of the core of the team.
0: Yeah, we're we're reaching a point here where consistency across seasons is going to really be important. Mm-hmm. And and you know what's going to happen? I mean, hell, look at the the number of guys that were on the team when Luke took over and are still around. Is it two? It's Ingram and Zubats. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and they
1: I, were—I mean, they were drafted, right? Like those right. are the ch- veterans. They—they they hadn't even played a game in the NBA yet. They were—that was their 2016 draft. That, those are our longest tenured Lakers now.
0: Yeah, and, and so I, I think you know, with any team that has legitimate expectations and 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 goals for any upcoming season, that consistency is really important. The Spurs are, in my opinion, the ultimate example of this. Is that. You know, all throughout Pop's tenure here, I don't think you've seen crazy turnover. This is the first year that you've really seen it because of retirements and then the whole Kawhi situation. But over the 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 time that Pop worked in San Antonio, you never really saw season by season huge overhaul because his system required a a an understanding of it. Uh, that that the that Luke is going to need here as well, and 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 the guy that you know I talked with uh, Tim about this in our KCP preview, our KC preview, yeah, that one. I, I <laughs> just keep talking. <laughs> but but he's a guy who I think is really going to benefit from having another year under his belt in Luke's system because you could just watch him counting his steps on some of his his curls. And coming around screens and DHOs, it was you, it was really fun to watch because like as somebody who cannot dance, it, it reminded me of like the first time that I was like cross uh, country dancing with my wife. It was like one, two, three, shoot, four, five, <laughs> <to> dribble, one, <laughs> two, you know. And, and, and it's going to be – for the Lakers here, it's going to be really important that that none of their guys have that moving forward beyond this year.
1: Yeah, I think that continuity is the most underrated – uh, under, most underrated attribute that a team can have In basketball that that ability That the Spurs had to I, Like I remember when I was coaching high school ball And it's definitely not the same as the NBA But you're always going to have your freshmen coming in Your seniors coming out right mm-hmm. And And I remember Like seniors especially In this like second half of the year Them like really getting it Like really really getting it a lot of A lot of times and then it's by the end of the year, you're like, oh, it was this was just starting to click. I would love to have one more year with them. And, you know, and then the juniors where that happened, at, you know, that's when you get really excited because they're about to go into the off season with really getting. I had a, this kid named Byron who's like five, seven buck, buck 40, dripping wet. And but his junior year, like toward the end of it, it really clicked for him. And I remember he was the smallest dude on the court. He got like two offensive rebounds and a huge comeback that we had. But that like that it clicking and then him coming back the next year and he was just a stud his senior season because he had that continuity in the same system under the same coach and all that i totally understand magic and palenka revamping the roster in their own own image the way that they have uh so i have no complaints about the roster turnover lack of continuity that they've had so far but going forward from this point forward lakers would be really well served to starting next year at the very latest like getting their core group of seven eight guys and like that being the squad for the next three or four years
0: yeah and and correct me if i'm wrong here too but that's where the lakers can really use one of their major advantages and being the biggest franchise in in the sport is that by keeping their guys they can dip into the tax and and they will never care about that you know whereas if you go with roster turnover at every turn you can only go so far. You can only go up to the cap spot, and and right. You know, you, the idea is you can keep better caliber players around.
1: This is why Magic has been talking about giving me two summers to to do this, and they got the first half of it done with getting LeBron. And let's say they sign a, a max guy next summer as well that that's the summer you're going to have ingram up for an extension the year after that you got lonzo and kuzma and just like you said that's the lakers have their bird rights they can go over the cap and so you can have this really really solid group uh, of guys that can be there long term Mm -hmm. and then after that you can sign you know mle type of guys that are your seventh eighth man that are looking to chase a ring so the lakers are really well positioned to have that degree of continuity going forward even if they haven't had it so far
0: Yep. All right. We're going to take another quick second here, and when we come back, we are going to talk about some of the X's and O's that we would maybe like to see from Luke. I'm really interested to see what, what – what we, we've kind of alluded to it, but we've never really got into specifics here. This should be fun, so stick around. I see Kobe is talking again, so I guess <laughs> –
1: <laughs> did, did something break? Did I miss something?
0: No, I, I think he's, just, he's making fun of Powell again, I think, that, that they beat him in the Olympics the year after the the 8 finals when they, right, beat right. when they lost to Boston. But mm-hmm. anywho, uh, Luke Walton, to this point – so I think when, when Luke Walton was hired, there was this thinking that he was going to bring Golden State Warriors basketball with him. And to a certain extent, he has, I think. Now, unfortunately, he couldn't bring Steph Curry and, and Kevin Durant and Clay <laughs> right. Thompson along with him. So, like, a lot of the, 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 the principles that he may have wanted to bring over aren't going to be able to be executed the way that he would have hoped, <laughs> I would imagine, right. in, in L.A. But as this roster has kind of taken shape, I think this year is the first time we'll really be able to get a sense for what his principles really want to be or what he wants them to be given the overall talent of this roster compared to the last two. Mm -hmm. Can, let me ask you a question out of this. Mm -hmm.
1: Can LeBron play in a golden state style offense now? Like obviously LeBron's, you know, an amazing player probably still the best player in the game so he could he could play in any offense right but stylistically lebron ball and golden state style basketball are pretty different mm-hmm. so I'll, I'll turn the question actually back on you is can they play that style of free-flowing basketball with lebron as the centerpiece in short
0: no because, mm-hmm. Like historically, the way he's played his entire career, no. But I do find it interesting that the summer where he's talking about reinventing his game and moving more off ball and, and doing those kinds of things, that that happens to be leading to this summer where he is going to be coached by – Luke Walton, who brings these these principles over. I find that interesting. And if there's somebody who I trust to figure that kind of thing out, it would be LeBron. Interestingly enough, like as you were asking me the question, the guy that I thought that he makes the most sense to the role that he makes the most sense to play in in this. in if there if we were just bring over Golden State's principles, isn't Kevin Durant, obviously isn't Steph, it's Dre. Right. It's mm-hmm. it's be the be the screener. And then get the ball in space and then facilitate from there when the defense is already back on their heels. And I think that's where – if that's something that the Lakers can figure out, that's where LeBron gets to be somehow even more efficient, which is kind of terrifying.
1: My concern with that – so f- first off, I agree. I mean obviously he would be Draymond plus, plus, plus yeah. offensively, yeah. right? But s- just from a stylistic perspective, that would be the most ideal fit in that sort of sort of offense. My concern is that there is not a second star on this team right now. Maybe one of the young guys grow into that. Maybe Kuz or, or Ingram grow we into let, that
0: as a, as a scorer, right? We let Ennis walk. There went the
1: second star. <sighs> um. So – I'm just having a hard time envisioning LeBron off of the ball as much as we want him to be mm-hmm. from a like from a scoring perspective. Like like who am I scared of as a scorer on the Lakers? It's LeBron and then there's a long drop off to Ingram and Kuzma after that. And uh, you know, Beasley will be a scorer, obviously, but in in a bench type of setting. I, I just I agree with you that that's the best fit for him. I just think that we're going to see more LeBron ball that that's similar to what we've seen in the past, uh, because there's just that gap. We don't have that second star right now. And I, I hope I'm wrong. I just, I, I don't see that free flowing type of offense next year, even, even if I would like to.
0: Yeah, I, I think I would mostly agree. Um, I, Here's where I would say if if we were to figure out like a second star, that second bona fide star doesn't exist. But I think they have enough guys that do enough of the things that you like. A single, a single star, no. But I think there are guys on the roster who can do the things that you need that second star to be able to do. So like Rajon Rondo handling a, handling a pick and roll with with. Uh, LeBron on it, I think, is going to be really interesting to watch this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, when the ball swings over to Ingram and and he can attack a closeout, I think that's some that those are the kinds of things that that you would like him to be able to do. It, it's really like this entire this entire season. I, honestly, the regular season to me, they're going to spend way more time in transition that like the half court stuff. Now it'll it'll obviously slow down in fourth quarters of close games, and then as they get to the postseason, you need these chops under your belt. You need these habits figured out. Uh, but but the Lakers are going to want to run <laughs> and and they are built to run. and and I think that's where I think freewheeling in in its I guess truest sense of the word is really going to come into play. I, I
1: totally agree with that, but even the fastest teams in the NBA, only their transition game only accounts for about 20% of their overall possessions. There's going to be plays where the ball gets knocked out of bounds or there's a loose ball foul or something, and you're going against those five-on-five five type things. So mm-hmm. while I agree LeBron will have less of a burden on him because Lakers will run more than previous teams that he's been on, they are going to have to play effective half-court b- basketball to be a, a good team. and. The, and the thing about like the Lakers' score is I think Ingram's the guy who is closest to being that second guy on the ball because I, I really love Kuzma as a scorer in particular. I just think he's more of an off-ball guy. I don't think you – like he was very good in isolation in a very small sample. I don't think he creates a ton of space for himself with his ball handling on his own. So I don't think he's a guy where it's like, oh, Kuzma has the ball. Crap, we have to give him extra attention. I think Ingram's closer to being that on the ball, but I don't think he's there yet. Although, you know, the second to third year is always the year where guys typically make the biggest type of leaps. So if he can grow into that, that pushes LeBron into those circumstances. But like, even if they're going to play fast, I don't think that you can like, it's still going to be the lion's share of of possessions are going to be in half court situations.
0: Is there anything that you specifically want Luke to focus on? This was the main question I wanted to ask you. But that, like, is there anything specifically, either tactically, the way he manages players? Like, Is there anything you're hoping that he improves on in, in year three?
1: In terms of improves on, I would like the so i've always liked the sets that he runs i think he runs good action good initial action my main criticism is that the players do not read and react particularly well they don't see oh my guy's trailing me on the screen so i'm gonna curl this or uh he's cheating under i'm gonna flare it you know they don't make the in the moment type of reads now i don't know if that's just a function of having young players and because when when steve kerr got to golden state They were already a playoff team. They'd won 51 games the year before with Mark Jackson. Guys were in their mid-20s, and they were more experienced basketball players, so they were more ready to be like, oh yeah, I know exactly how to set up and read my defender. I would like Luke and his staff to develop the young guys in a way where they're making those type of reads i think lebron and rondo are going to be hugely important in understanding like when the defense does this then you do that it's all if if this then that type of stuff that i don't think i haven't seen the type of improvement amongst the young players under luke that i was hoping to in that respect in the read and react type of respect that's the main area i want to see
0: yeah, I, I would I would completely agree. I mean, we talked a lot about, like, the actual managing people, and, and this is where I think this is going to come full circle here, and, and this will be the last thing I really want we have time to talk about here. But, look, the Lakers are going to run contrary to a lot of principles that we've seen over the course of, of, of NBA history, right? Like, like veteran free agent additions usually get priority when they – in the locker room and and in the rotation that's not going to be the case here or or if the Lakers want to be really good this year I think the young guys fit better than those veterans do and and how Luke manages that conversation is going to be really important uh and and you know I just that to me is going to be the biggest thing for for him to 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 manage next year and and also like we talked a couple shows ago I believe about how the Lakers aren't going to be the typical NBA team in that they are more going to be managed by short bursts. And again, that might lead to some frustration there because night to night it's going to be hard for NBA players to figure out how much and when they're going to be playing. So so like there's a reason I focus so heavily on his managing of people and to this point, like to be clear, I think he's 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 shown an ability to do this. And a lot of the former guys that he's worked with have said that like no, yeah, he's very good in this respect. But I, I, this is the thing that I'm going to be watching for the most is how often are we going to hear from, from players that they're frustrated about the roles or the minutes that they're playing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That it's going to be a huge test for, I mean, he was in the same draft class as LeBron. How crazy is that? Luke Walton was also drafted in 2003. LeBron is still the best player in the game and and Luke's (laughs) been out of it for a while. Right. Uh, one last point to that point of like having these new guys and expectations and things like that it doesn't it's not something that Luke needs to do differently because he did a great job of it last year but defensive identity and unity is going to be incredibly important with yeah. so many new guys playing for high stakes like if they can duplicate what they did last year on the defensive end they're going to be in really really good shape i do think that luke has a tougher job cut out for him to do that though this year
0: so we've been finishing all these shows, having a little bit of fun here, random things that we look forward to from, from either players or, in this case, coaches. I'll start here because I'm kind of putting you on the, on the schneid. I'm really looking forward to Jesse Murmey's and LeBron James interactions. It's <laughs> just like everything about it. <laughs> like the, way that, the way that the two talk, the way that the two look, like everything about it I think is going to be really funny to watch.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that will be an interesting pair. I'm actually curious to see how those veterans interact with like a young coaching staff. Um, although, like you know, a Ty Lu was a young guy, but it, LeBron, a- as excited as we are about him, my impression, at the very least, and and I could be wrong, is that he is a difficult guy to coach. Like mm. in the run up, I think I may have told you this, but in the run up for uh, are we going to sign LeBron or not, there were. One of the things that was told to me that was that, you know, Luke had an idea that LeBron was coming and the way it was told was like, good news, LeBron is coming. Bad news, LeBron is coming. Right. Because for Luke in particular, it's. If if the Lakers do well, they're supposed to do well. They have LeBron, right? Mm-hmm. If they struggle at all, it's not going to be LeBron that gets the blame. It's going to be Luke. Like it, w- whenever the Lakers struggle, struggle, there's going to be a big old spotlight on Luke. And I'm yeah. I'm really curious to see how he handles that because I don't think coaching LeBron teams h- has ever
0: been an easy thing. And by extension of that, like this was something that Bill and I talked about y ye- yesterday, or in was it yesterday's show? Yesterday's show, uh, that. Luke isn't technically Magic's guy. Like, if there is a guy that is close to being a new regime's guy, it would be Luke in this kind of situation, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. he still isn't.
1: Right, right. right. The, it's he, if anything, he's Genie's guy. Yes. Like, and that's not not important, right? To have the owner on your side, but you're absolutely right. Like, if if, and I think if push came to shove, if Magic and and Palenka wanted him wanted somebody else i think janie would trust them mm-hmm. in, in that and so yeah the him not being their guy and having these really you know interesting personalities and lebron is not you know like lebron's a great dude it's just he's a hard guy to coach or to coach those type of teams this will really really put what's said to be luke's strength his, his ability to communicate with people that will be put to the maximum test this year and he does not have like i don't want to say he doesn't have allies right like because you put it well that he if anyone was going to be his guy you that, that you didn't actually hire it would be a guy like luke but mm-hmm. it's easy to say that when it's good right, right. when times you're bad what does that look like
0: right exactly it's going to be interesting i think luke to me is the most i mean beyond lebron like i'm really looking forward to watching lebron but luke to me is the most fascinating aspect of this season upcoming like that how he handles all of this and like coaching to me is the great is the great market inefficiency in the NBA like that everybody has stars all great teams have stars but it's the coaches that allow those stars to be their best selves around while surrounded by guys who are also being their best selves like that to me is is really interesting to watch and and if if the lakers got their guy who can set their culture and be that guy moving forward that is a huge box to check. Yeah. And this season, if we find out to any extent that Luke is that guy, that takes this what this what this LeBron iteration of the Lakers is capable of, I think, to the next level.
1: It'd be such a huge win, man, because we were talking about continuity earlier, and yeah. if they need oh, to bring a man. new coach in, like, just think about that, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's a reset button in a lot of ways of how things are done, what the culture is around the team, and that would that's a step back, even if it's a step back with the take, intention of taking two steps forward. So, yeah, as a, as a fan, I'm very much rooting for Luke to be that guy, but you're absolutely right. This is the year where we're going to find that out in a lot of ways.
0: Yep. All right. So that'll do it for this episode of the Locked On Lakers podcast. I'm heading into a long weekend. I'm probably going to record my Monday mailbag right now <laughs> just because just uh, New Orleans does stuff to people. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this has been a fun week. I hope you guys enjoyed this week. We're going to be back at it again. Like we said at the very beginning of the show, we are – we're right – we're like a week away from being – we're literally a week away from being a week away. We're almost there. <laughs> we just, we just got to get through this. Maybe like five more Andrew Bynum articles.
1: We, we need some – just give me something to distract me. Like give me some stupid Lakers news like oh, over the next I, – yeah. I, I don't even – they're looking to trade for Pau Gasol or something. I don't know. Just give me something really stupid <laughs> yeah. that can just
0: distract me for a week. That's all I need. I was thinking about buying 2K just to watch basketball again.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking of getting it uh, and, and doing a video on like the playbook and stuff. I might I might actually do that. I'll see if I – you think Harrison will let me expense that?
0: Uh, Do you think he'll let us both expense it? <laughs> yes, I do. We should right. do it. All it's right.
1: easier to ask forgiveness than permission. Remember
0: that. <laughs> works for me. All right, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. We will talk to you, I believe, again on Monday. So have a great weekend. Be safe out there. And when we come back on Monday, make sure you guys get your questions in two itunes in the form of a five star review and uh, i will get to those as many of those as i possibly can between now and then have a great day and we'll talk to you again on monday